Welcome to the Brain Food Podcast. In this episode, well, I, I'm not really sure how many episodes this is going to span because people seem to really like the two-parter we did about uh, Teddy Roosevelt last time around. And this time, we kind of started it thinking, we'll keep this, you know, into maybe one or two parts. But this is really long and there's many different things. And it, it kind of all relates to Julius Caesar, but some of it does like one of them's about Caesarean sections and how that kind of relates to Julius Caesar. But also, doesn't really i probably think that'll be an episode standing alone in itself we don't really know we're going to play it by ear see how we feel and uh, see when we need to stop and come back next week because we just get fact exhausted i don't know if that's a thing maybe yeah, it's not this a is thing. this is uh for reference here this is 17 pages long is the notes on this one which yeah. i mean i don't really know how long are normally are i know they are a lot of pages but i feel like this is excessive this is dense there's there's like normally there's a lot more bullet points in this there's a lot of just block text we're we're both looking <laughs> at a shared google drive document we have open in front of us it's just this is this is heavy yeah 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 should we do a little bit of follow-up before we get into what could be, uh, I guess, if, you, if you're listening to this, you've probably already seen the title of this episode, so you have more knowledge than we do about how long this one's going to last and what this is going to be all about. If it says, like, Caesarean sections, well, there you go, it's a one-parter, and if it says Caesarean sections <laughs> and something about a Rubicon, then it's going to be two or more. So here yeah. we go. Um, let's just follow up. Let's do a little bit of follow-up from last week's episodes. World's Fairs, still a thing. Did someone email us about this or hit us yeah. up on Twitter or something? Yeah, or on the forum. I can't remember. Uh, someone, we definitely were made aware that World's Fairs are still a thing. And uh, that was surprising. And they actually have one in Dubai coming up, which I mean, if any World's Fair is going to be cool, it would be that one, right? Why? Well, like Dubai spend like crazy money building all sorts of crazy yeah. stuff. And I feel like an, an yeah. expo, as they call them now, or a World's Fair. It's basically just, it seems to be an excuse to buy all sorts of crazy things and build big buildings and, and all of this mm-hmm. stuff. Did you... The, the last one they did was in, in Kazakhstan last year, 2017. I gotta say, it did look pretty cool. They had yeah. a they had like a, a few videos on YouTube. I, I think it's just maybe our tolerance for what's cool has has like gone up because it seemed to kind of be you know oh, it's a big focus on like clean and renewable energy, which is great. You know, I love clean and mm-hmm. renewable energy, but it's not like here's the latest invention from Thomas Edison and it's like whatever it is, yeah, like well, electricity fair, like, or whatever. Perhaps like the next Thomas Edison was there, you know. And we we just don't know it so it doesn't seem exciting but like i don't know yeah it doesn't i i think also because they aren't as popular they probably can't do as crazy as they might otherwise but the dubai one i mean they're gonna do something crazy right anyway because this is what they do i hope so, so but this, i still feel this like this gotta be cool i just feel like you know if someone said chicago world's fair i'd be like wow i bet that was cool and I'm like, yeah. I didn't even know World's Fairs were a thing. And I feel like if this was going to be a big deal, I mean, I mean, tens of millions, maybe hundreds of millions are being spent on this thing. I'd probably know about it already if it was going to be this huge thing that I should be buying a plane ticket as a layman to go and mm-hmm. see. And I just kind mm-hmm. of got the impression that it, it doesn't really feel like it's for laymen anymore. It feels like it's for people in an industry or, you know, it's not like do, do, it was kind of a disaster. We had, do you remember the Millennium Dome? Was this a thing at all in the US? No. <laughs> it was like this. I don't, uh, no, not familiar. So I, I, I was young. I can't remember the exact story. But there's the, there's a huge stadium today in, in London called the O2, which is, I, I don't know, it's, it's a huge musical venue. holds maybe 100,000 people or something. I could be wildly wrong on that. But it's it's big. And it initially started life as something called the Millennium Dome, which was a building built to celebrate the millennium in London. And it had a, it was it was quite cool. Like a lot of people complained about it. But I was a kid 
and it was pretty fun like you go in there's different ex- exhibits they'll kind of like take you inside like a human body and all of this stuff it felt kind of world's fairy sort of thing yeah but it was like this abject failure it cost a lot of money no one really liked it everyone was like why are we spending our money on this this is crazy i have no idea what we could do it we should do an episode on the millennium dome this would be a yeah i, I don't know maybe yeah. it'd have zero appeal to an american audience but this was like a big thing growing up but yeah this 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 was a huge thing and i don't even know how did how did i get on to millennium domes something about expos anyway uh, this was like a big thing and there was a whole lot of push around it but i was watching the video of the one in uh, the one in kazakhstan and that looked really cool mm-hmm. like it looked it seemed bigger than the millennium dome there was a whole lot more yeah. going on they had all this dude there's a video and it's like to that when happiness is under a roof or something by that uh farrell williams and it, it was quite cool and they it, it was really nicely produced and they had all these people from different countries like who had come to this expo like waving their flags and doing these dances and it's like wow a lot of countries have traditional dress i never really thought of this as a thing because in Britain, we don't really have traditional dress. I think of, you know, Germans, uh, you know, Bavarians with their lederhosen and all of these things, or like, uh, yeah. now I can't think of any examples. But like traditional dress, surprisingly large number of countries have this. And then there's the mm-hmm. British people in the video, and it's just like an uncomfortable guy in a suit. And I'm like, this actually <laughs> represents it perfectly. Because everyone else is like dancing in their traditional guy, and there's just a British guy like waving a UK He's flag, just, standing, just uncomfortably. Standing awkwardly. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, uh, so yeah, World's Fair is still a thing. Anything we want to add there? I think part of the problem is maybe Kazakhstan. Like, why is that? The, I mean, like, you should do the location. This is a problem. Not that we've got anything against Kazakhstan. It it's is not kind like of a tourist of center of the world. Yeah. yeah. Like, you may put it in Paris or something, and people are going to go to that. Kazakhstan is absolutely massive. I looked at visiting this country. I, I think maybe I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but every year I go on an adventure with uh, my, my best friend from secondary school or high school mm-hmm. and we mm-hmm. go somewhere like we went to china to see those those uh the uh the fake paris and fake london and stuff and then this year we went to romania and then we were considering going to kazakhstan really really big everyone seems to compare things to the size of texas <laughs> size of kazakhstan 2.72 million square kilometers size of texas texas is only 695,000 square kilometers so kazakhstan wow is or size of let's just do usa in square kilometers yeah so kazakhstan is only four times smaller in area than the entire united states which is, is pretty big, crazy right i would have i had in my head very small yeah right because you're like what is kazakhstan and where is it oh it's yeah. huge <laughs> um yeah, not great pot i guess because we can't show people a map but when you look at that thing on a map it is a beast <laughs> reviews should we mention some reviews yes thank you everyone we are we are approaching our our, we were aiming for 100 reviews we're getting there fast just a reminder that when we hit 100 reviews we're going to grab some people at random from the reviews i think the first person we grab we're going to give a hundred dollar amazon gift card to and then we're going to give two twenty five dollar vouchers to to other people who we pick at random it doesn't matter if your review is good or not we're not considering that maybe we should but i probably think that's ethically <laughs> a little bit fuzzy so uh leave us whatever yeah. review you like so anyone you want to pick out in particular uh, <laughs> there's a guy read? with the username wankle me which i don't know <laughs> if that sounds similar to a word in in american english but <laughs> five stars sublime he says so that's good yeah uh, see i had a couple here the code machines you see that one he says these guys know how to deliver great facts way better than other fact shows what they have an innate ability to know what factoids are interesting and give it to us ah he wrote un but i'm assuming that's us in a fascinating manner keep it up 
Well, there we go. That's that's pretty great. Great. What about this one? Mm-hmm. Cheesy sauce. Uh, I enjoy the banter. Five stars, by the way. I enjoy the banter. You two are much more realistic about the way you converse than some other veteran podcasters that just seem bored. Well, maybe in a hundred episodes we'll sound bored, and then we'll be like professional veteran podcasters where we're like, "Hi, thank you for the reviews. Don't forget to rate and review on iTunes." Uh, he says, "Keep it up, and Dave and just cure." Oh, this is really personal for you. Do you come from the PN? W of the US? What's a PNW? It sounds like a POW. Uh, Pacific, Pacific Northwest, I would assume. And uh, yes, yes, I, yes, I do. Washington State. And uh, I've lived all over in Washington State. There he says, I heard you mention Gold Bar and the Cascades. Yeah. What's the Cascades? The Cascade Mountain Range. I used to live at the foothills of these, which is Gold Bar right there. Uh, and that is a absolutely beautiful place. I, I really liked it there. There you go. And he finishes it with perhaps my favorite sentence of this podcast. Thanks, dudes. Keep up the awesomeness, which uh, I like that. Anyone else you want to pick out? <laughs> Dude, inverted penis syndrome. <laughs> what is that? He does know. give us five stars, though. Uh, Rudolph 2. Fun show, five stars. I'm not just picking out the five star ones. I think we've just got five star reviews since since last time, which nice. is obviously great. You gentlemen definitely have a good time sharing information. Your shows are random and informative. Keep them coming. We will try our best, and we'll try our best not to sound like veteran podcasters. How about that? Go over to iTunes, drop us a review. Uh, we're almost at that 100 points. So, uh, yes, anything else we want to add? I mean, we should get into talking about old uh, Caesar sections, which is uh, yeah. pretty pretty darn graphic. I, I'm familiar with Caesar sections and how this all this all works. It's a pretty uh, mm-hmm. pretty nasty procedure, but it, it was like reading through yeah. the notes for today's one, I'm like, wow, this was a whole lot worse in the past. Yeah, this is uh, so, so just to why we're mentioning this... Uh, in in conjunction with Caesar is because there's this sort of idea that um, popular idea that he was born this way via a cesarean section and then um, this this is why we have the name uh, but sense. it turns out it turns out that uh, so so like the first known instance of this was um, all the way back in like the 10th century so well well after his birth so that should be like the first clue uh, <laughs> that maybe this isn't correct because I mean he was obviously his life was well documented by more contemporary historians of his a era and yes. uh, nobody nobody was mentioning this <laughs> and this would have been noteworthy because nobody in fact uh, nobody survived a cesarean section back then it just wasn't a thing the first documented instance didn't come until much later as we'll as we'll get into in a bit Um, i can't possibly imagine that anyone back in caesar's time like what is this a a hundred years before christ was caesar around yeah yeah ish around then i can't imagine anyone surviving an operation of such magnitude because they you know removing a relatively large object through someone's stomach is not a small procedure i mean it's a very common procedure but yeah this would be like this, this, there, was no, have, there was nothing. Yeah, there was g- going to be infection, and the and the, this is already obviously uh, childbirth already really strenuous, uh, and so you're already already having complications other, and then you're just going to slice open the the stomach and uterus and everything, and this is not going to work out for the woman in question, and it didn't. No. There was not. Uh, this was not a. This is not a thing that women survived until very very recently in history. Yeah. Um, sort of a good <laughs> couple of thousand years almost before we're talking about. I mean, we'll get into this in a bit but just the yeah 
the order of advancement that has taken place in that time before it became survivable. Just survivable yeah, so, at all by one person. Yeah, and so this is, of course, significant here because we actually know that uh, his mother, Aurelia Cotta, uh-huh. she she survived and she, she lived all the way up until about 54 BC, which is about 10 years before Caesar himself died. Um, so, she, yeah, she was, she was around and she was um, quite influential on his life, but even as a political advisor and stuff in his early days. So, yeah, she, she survived. And so had, had she actually you know, given birth in this way, C-section and survived because she was also a very, a daughter of a, of a Roman consul. She was also the granddaughter of a previous Roman consul uh-huh. before that. Very prominent family. This would have been news. Like someone would have written this down, like, wait a minute, we got this woman who actually survived a C-section. And then of course the contemporary um, historians around, you know, right after Caesar died and stuff who were documenting his life, they would have mentioned it. So no, this was not a thing. Caesar did not, um, he was not born via C-section. I feel, you know, this would have been a medical miracle at the time. Yeah. And for a notable person of history, an incredibly notable person of history, to have had such an enormous medical miracle, you know, that's gonna be in the paperwork somewhere and and you would think like whatever physician you know performed the procedure and had her survive i mean this i mean that family would have been showering him with gifts and like this guy he's awesome you know Uh, so no it wasn't and but that doesn't mean like c-sections didn't happen they happened a lot actually in fact Mm -hmm. if you go back to um about what was it about 700 years before caesar like in the earliest days of rome the second king of rome actually back when they had kings uh numa pompilius Mm-hmm. He actually had something, they had something called uh, the Lex Caesarea, which was, uh, it just means uh, imperial law. So Caesarea meant imperial. And that's actually important for some stuff we'll discuss later. So yeah, in the Lex Caesarea, they actually had a rule that you had to, if the woman died in childbirth, you had to cut the baby out. And this this actually was, it was more for religious reasons at this point. It, mm-hmm. it wasn't so much because maybe then the baby would survive. It was more, even if the baby was dead, it didn't matter. You had to cut the baby out. It was just a rule. It was part of their law. Just and, a religious uh, so, thing. So, just yeah, so they yeah when they're burying, I assume they needed the bodies to be separate for some reason. Okay. Um, yeah. Wow. So this, this this episode is getting dark real fast. We've already touched on like <laughs> yeah, horrible operations and dead babies. Uh, we yeah, should dead baby. Uh, do you think? Do you, can we get an explicit rating for just graphic content being discussed? Because yeah, let's, let's, wow. well, at least we won't bring up like stone babies and stuff like that. Like oh, this I remember that video. If anyone's interested yeah. in that, yeah. Yeah. All right. So this brings us to when when was the actual first uh, successful C-section? performed sorry you didn't actually mention why they would you know about the saving the baby did we mention that i feel Uh, like that's got it we've got to talk about the the fact that they were cutting them out to do the religious thing and it's like oh sometimes the baby survives right yeah and presumably in the earliest days of c-sections like this was probably how it it came about like uh, maybe we can maybe the baby can actually live i'm sure at some point they were like hey we cut this woman open she was dead but the baby baby lived and so yeah this was a thing like eventually they did start to do this like if they knew the woman was going to die like or if they were very like she was bleeding profusely and like this like she's passed out or and gonna die like they would they would go ahead and perform the procedure when she was still alive potentially although usually they would they would of course wait till death um if possible because it was i mean maybe she would live but um just to see if the baby would survive so um yeah in any event in this case aurelia uh, did not she lived for a long time after and um as we noted it would have been very noteworthy had she had she given birth in this way so this was not a thing and the first i think i forgot to mention the it was in the 10th century uh, byzantine greek historical encyclopedia the suda where this is where this is noted uh the first i should say the first time it was noted that caesar Julius Caesar was born via C-section. Um, okay. Do you want to read the quote from there? The emperors of Rome receive this name from Julius Caesar, who was not born. For when his mother died in the ninth month, they cut her open, took her out, and named him thus. For in the Roman tongue, dissection is called Caesar. 
that so that was just mm-hmm. that was just false right yeah i mean the, that's a thousand is, years later yeah yeah and in a way it just wasn't true and this is the first time <laughs> the first known time that this was this concept was ever mentioned it was probably due to the confusion here that it was i mean there, there was these various terms for the cesarean section that were already around that were you know related to the etymology of caesar the the name and so sure. um so yeah there was probably some confusion and then whoever was writing the encyclopedia just assumed you know i mean it's not like they had google back then or but i do feel if you're writing like uh, an encyclopedia that's still of note a thousand years later come on mm-hmm. you know <laughs> i guess the pseudo wasn't peer-reviewed because yeah, you know, yeah. That's, that's just false but it's to nice be we fair, can pick this apart later and realize. Go on. Yeah, to be fair, though, we, we are going to pick apart uh, something that OED, the Oxford English Dictionary, says later, and they make Ooh. they make uh, somewhat of the same mistake. Um, so even the, even the OED. I, I know how much of a love you have for the OED, but I also know how yeah. much of a love you have for like being able to pick it apart when it occasionally doesn't bat a thousand. <laughs> yeah. so I, I love it. Every, yeah. every video we do, and it's always <laughs> mentioning the OED, and it's like, the OED, usually amazing, but today... There's a little mistake. Yeah. Everybody gets something wrong sometimes. Doesn't matter the source. This is always the thing. People are always like, "Oh, you got this wrong. You're you're no Encyclopedia Britannica or something." And it's like, well, actually, I find <laughs> errors in the Encyclopedia facts. Britannica all the time. Like, yeah. this is this is a thing. The OED. It doesn't matter. Everyone gets stuff wrong sometimes. It's not Drop a us an email. I mean, if you if you think we got <laughs> something wrong podcasts at yeah. todayifoundout.com guaranteed we're going to get something wrong at some point uh, perhaps yeah. even in this episode because it's 17 pages long and it took forever to like the world's together. fair thing we were wrong we were like there's no world's fairs turns out they're totally a yeah. world's fairs and then we read about yeah. them and then we brought you fun facts about british men dancing yeah. awkwardly in suits bringing us back to when the first c-sections were performed uh, uh-huh. successfully and and by successfully when i'm going to say this several times and just to avoid repeating i when i say that i mean where the mother and the child survived okay. uh, instead of just the the baby so <laughs> i feel like is it too morbid to say we could call the other one kind of half successful <laughs> i mean it is it's just so dark successful, but but it's not like I, I wouldn't i would definitely wouldn't define it as successful so by um, modern this, standards this, you would not say oh this is this episode is getting so dark but you can just imagine like the doctor coming out of the room it's like good news we've successfully performed the c-section uh, bad news the woman didn't survive but the baby that's yeah. not a successful c-section doctor what the hell but at least, I mean, back then you can see, like, at a certain point in history, like, to have the baby survive when the mother dies. I mean, this, this, uh, you might have been like, wow. I mean, that's, that's yeah, awful, but than... like, this is great. We, I mean, the baby survived at least, right? Yeah. Um, All right. So let's move yeah. on to the more cheery matter of successful C-sections, shall we? Yeah. So the first one here is, it seems to be in the late 16th century in Switzerland. And mm-hmm. this, this story, because it didn't, um, it, the, the documented, the, it was first, wasn't first documented until about a century after the fact or at least documented in a way that survived so there's some people who are like i don't know this one's not you know a hard fact necessarily but i mean it seems weird that someone would make it up with such such great detail (laughs) that is one of the things when you are researching stuff when people start to get a little vague on the details in these stories these anecdotes almost a a sure sign that it's actually just someone made it up but when you start getting like the really hard details of like how many children she had what the name is like this starts to be like oh there's probably some some truth to this somewhere there's a pro Um, tip if you ever need to like lie add in lots of unnecessary details (laughs) exactly so yeah so the the man the father in question was named jacob newfer and he is significant here because he was the one who performed the surgery even though he was not a doctor Uh, he was a pig a pig a pig gelder which means a a person who castrated pigs that was his profession so you go he would cast castrate him and sew him up so he was kind of an expert at slicing things open and having them live after he sewed them back up so uh yeah Uh so this is what he did and his wife apparently 
had been laboring for three days Oof. and she's still, and this is obviously awful, so he made the decision at this point. Presumably, he perhaps thought she was going to die at this point, uh, but he he was going to cut the baby out, so he made a quick incision, sewed her back up, took, you know, took the baby back out, sewed her back up, and she uh, miraculously lived, supposedly. So yeah, and she we went on to We are talking have... still way, way before. Are we talking, I always wonder, are we talking like pre-antibiotics? Are we talking pre-germs? Yes. Like knowledge of germs? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Eesh. Exactly. But he was, he was an expert, you know, slicer opener of uh, things. So yeah, and it was his wife, so he was probably careful just in case, you know, she might survive. But yeah, supposedly she goes on to have five more kids, including uh, twins. Wow. I, I, if, that, if, if I was that person, I'd be like, <laughs> yeah. I guess we just have one kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and contrary to popular belief, they did have the, um, a very effective method of birth control back then, which was one of the uh, more effective in history, as it was the pull and pray method, which is just, oh. uh, yeah. And this is something that people always, you know, you always hear people assume like that's just a horrible method. But in fact, as I think we'll get into, I don't know, on the podcast somewhere, we get into this uh, in detail, but it's actually in actual practice, uh, just about as effective as condoms in actual practice. But yes, of course, I, I mean, I, uh, there's yeah, nothing I, for STDs or anything, but you know, and it does the pregnancy it, thing, at least. I think it also human error probably <laughs> yeah quite a notable well, problem is, there does that include human is, error this is a, this the actual studies have been done on including human error wow uh, so in not actual a perfect use, in not imperfect use examples no wow no in perfect use examples it's also about as effective as condoms in perfect use examples uh it's just you know they're they're both within a few percentage of, of each other in the, the things so not not bad at all and this this was you know historically like this was i mean rome in ancient rome they had uh that plant i can't remember the name of so, now sylphium something yeah yeah, right. some, something that was very effective birth control. Um, it was more like a morning after pill type thing, but, you know, it mm. worked. And so they had that. And they had, a, they had some other methods that are not really known what they did, uh, but were also effective, sort of allusions to it in some historic texts yeah. and stuff. Um, I love it and, how but, it's but, always but, like they discover something like this and then the inevitable happens and they use it all with such vigor that the yeah. plants go <laughs> extinct and we no longer have them. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, a lot of the reasons, some, some of the knowledge of what the Romans did was lost, of course, was because of sort of the, uh, I mean, in, in in later times, it became sort of uncouth to talk about these things and yes. to write about them and stuff. So it's kind of been, you know, forgotten uh, some of the stuff. But what we do know is that through most of history, the, the pull method was was the de facto way to go and people were very effective at it um, when they wanted to be. But of course, then you also had people who presumably just didn't care because you have people like this who were having five kids plus the plus the C-section one. Right. Yeah, it's not like they had yeah. no choice. <laughs> but I guess back then too, depending on your profession, I mean, your kids might be a great way to, you know, support the family. So having as many kids as possible was actually quite valuable to to a lot of people. Yes, dude. But I don't know, like after that palaver of two days of birth and then being sliced open and stitched back up like a pig and then miraculously yeah. surviving, I'd be like, maybe we'll be all right without the extra labor. Yeah. It's yeah. A presumably big she, trade-off. Yeah. She may not have had a choice. Who knows? <laughs> we don't know her. Yeah. Uh, her exact, you know, situation in the 16th so not only did not only was this successful and she survived, but she was intact enough after this. Yeah, well, and this is the thing: is like the uterus. I mean, this is one of the, the problems: is after after a C section, even today. I mean, you can still sometimes have a, a baby normally, uh, and a lot of people do, a lot of women do, but it doesn't. It's not really. There's a risk involved of the uterus tearing again where it was previously cut, uh, mm-hmm. and so sometimes sometimes they'll just go ahead and just do a C section anyway, just to avoid the risk, unless the woman really wants to you know try to do it natural um but yeah it'd be pretty strange i guess if with the risk that to do it mm-hmm. why to do it the second like 
which is interesting because you often hear like yeah two c-sections which you're like oh really and then it's like yes because once you've had a first one the kind of the practice is to do the second one yeah it's all about weighing the pros and cons so you do have like you know you have some extra risks with the c with having a c-section in the first place versus normal but at the Mm -hmm. same time when you start when you go that second time it's like well now the risks are really i mean what do you want to do you want to try it you know natural or do you just want to just go ahead and have another c-section because the risks aren't i mean they're not great there there is some extra risk but you know the second tell you what man i don't know if if i was a woman i'd be like slice me open (laughs) because while they do talk about a lot like okay but yeah the recovery afterwards supposedly takes longer but then like if you actually i mean like my wife's had two kids here and this is this is like the recovery of normal is also takes a while like you're not back to normal for a while so either way it actually takes quite a bit and so i don't know i feel like the c-section of being a little bit incapacitated might be kind of nice just kicking back in bed a little nicer than the normal where people kind of expect you to go back to normal quite quickly when it's not like your body takes a little while to recover i haven't really looked into this very much but i think i was talking with my family last time i was home and there's there's quite a lot of people just basically opting to do it like without a particular medical reason it's just yes i would rather do this and i you know i think the health service is like "Mm, but they'll find an excuse you know so it's like oh yeah yeah." you know i always it's probably absolutely nothing like this but you must have seen those like tv shows or movies right it's like someone in california became before weed became totally legal it'd be like hi yeah so uh what can i do for you it's like i've been feeling a little bit anxious and they're like oh no you must get a prescription card for marijuana i mean maybe this is just in tv shows but it feels like this is this is what it is and they find an excuse to 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 let you have the weed or let you have a c-section but yeah it it depends on the the culture too because like china i think is something like 45 percent of women but they of course uh, do they still they still have the restriction on the number of babies right no they don't that was that was recently lifted okay well i was i was assuming that perhaps that was so high because if you are just going to have one i mean you don't care then at that point it's like whatever i'm just cut me open (laughs) but i don't it's a lot it's a lot higher than like the u.s which i think is more like one in four or something like that women so um, obviously it's much less when you look at total births but like one in four women will have a c-section so um, wow that still seems high yeah well that's that's women so you think about all the births each woman is having potentially multiple kids so this is this is um not going to be like one in four births it's going to be much lower than that yeah that's true that's true i'm trying to look this up now but i can't find any uh okay uh yeah it's about 25 percent in the uk as well Six thousand six hundred and forty-six thousand nine hundred and four deliveries in nhs hospitals uh 25 percent of births today compared to 30 years ago when it was just 10 percent. i guess that's because the surgeries have become you know a lot more mm-hmm. uh, i guess more routine we've gone on a bit of a tangent so with caesar sections but uh... <laughs> yeah uh, so we're gonna go back to uh now we're gonna go back to a little bit more better documented instances of when, and when cesarean sections started to become uh, like more of a thing. And so to first, just quickly to mention like in the US, it was uh, 1794 with a guy named Dr. Mm-hmm. Jesse Bennett performed this procedure on his wife, actually, Elizabeth Bennett. And uh, yeah, so he uh, maybe was being extra careful or something because it's his wife. I don't know, but she survived. Well, I kind, I kind of feel good. like going through those notes that it would be that kind of desperation where it's, it's kind yeah. of that thing that would really force that innovation where it is the doctor's wife and he's like well i guess if there's time to experiment now is the time yeah it's time to try to do it try to make it successful but so yeah so right now we're gonna move over to to a british surgeon which this this is a fascinating story and this this woman's gonna get her own her own episode uh soon in the next couple months because uh she's she's amazing just in case you've not had enough like brutal surgery in today's episode coming up soon yeah yeah uh so this woman her her Uh name was margaret ann bulkley but she's 
more known through history as James Barry, Dr. James Barry. Uh, and so that's a dude's name. Yeah, exactly. So uh-huh. she was an Irish woman. And uh, so her she's actually the uh, the niece of the famed Irish uh, artist, James Barry, which, you know, she clearly took his name later. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, through he, he ended up dying and she was kind of in an impoverished situation. And uh, yeah, she needed she needed uh, she needed a way to support herself. And she was trying to be a tutor, but it didn't really her education wasn't finished at this point as teen years and stuff. Yeah. And so what she did have, though, was a lot of connections through her through her uncle. Previous, uh, She met uh, this guy, a doctor by the name of Edward Fr- Edward Fryer. He kind of he became yeah. her, her tutor and sort of mentor. And then also a Venezuelan general by the name of Francisco de Miranda. And then as a man named do. William. <laughs> yeah. OK, you're, 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 you know, your famous uncle introduces you to like another man of standing in the in the in the society, this Dr. Fryer dude. And then it's like, oh, and the, the Venezuelan general. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And, okay. Yeah, and then and then a guy named uh, William Godwin, who's noteworthy here because he was the uh, widower of the author uh, Mary Wollstonecraft, who wrote *The Vindication of the Rights of Women*. So it's a it's a very sort of liberal group and uh, very progressive on women's rights and stuff. And at some point, it's not really clear why or when exactly uh, she decided she wanted to become a doctor. This Margaret, uh, and of yeah. course, you can't become a doctor if you're a woman. That just wasn't like a thing back then. Uh, you wouldn't be allowed into medical school. It doesn't matter if this doctor. Edward Fryer taught her everything he knew. No one was going to let her be a doctor. So, when were we talking? What, what, what century was this? This is the 19th century, uh, early okay. 19th century. Uh, so, at, so at some point, she she's all right. So they they concoct this plan. So how how are we going to get her into medical school? And so they decide to. She's no longer going to be the niece of James Barry. She is now going to disguise herself as the nephew of James Barry, and she's going to take uh-huh. the name James Barry. Uh, and so she was named, of course, in 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 homage to her her uh, uncle, her famous uncle. So, and this this uh, presumably partially due to the connection to the name, the famed artist, the medical school maybe didn't look as closely as they otherwise might have, uh, because it was very obvious that like she was not like high pitched voice, like she was very effeminate looking, like this was not a good disguise. She wasn't like some masculine. Yeah looking guy uh, with like a you know or a masculine looking woman with like but it works she gets in she gets into medical school although there is some note like that maybe she's younger than she's saying like she's lying about her age perhaps uh, as James Barry they think maybe she's just like prepubescent and she's just like really smart and you know going to wow. medical school yeah. uh, too soon but they you know nephew of the famous artist they're gonna let her they let her in uh, so and th- there's some rumor of as like the plan after so what like what was her plan after what was her end game here because once she's a doctor right. no one's you- do if she reveals if she reveals herself as a woman they're not going to let her be a doctor uh so there this kind of the one of the rumors was that like so this general francisco de miranda was going to take her back to venezuela and then uh via his his position and everything he was going to allow her to function as a doctor even though she was a woman there but this it's not actually clear and even if this was the plan unfortunately for her if it was in the summer of 1812 when she graduated from medical school he got arrested that very summer and um ended up dying in prison in prison so um oh. that that didn't that wouldn't have worked out. So instead, whether that was her plan or not, uh, in the end, she decided instead she graduated and she's, you know, wants to continue being a doctor. So she kept the James Berry persona and she joined the British military. And so then this is this is where I, it's not actually clear how she got past the physical here because you do have to take a physical even back then to get into the British Army. And she managed it somehow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so Well, we, we talked uh, about before how they'd let very young people 
into the army. So maybe they were like, yeah, yeah. we'll let this prepubescent boy into the army. And it's like, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there was there was rumor later that like she, you know, she had medical knowledge. So she had ways of maybe hiding, kind of starting these rumors and stuff of like, oh, yeah, that sure. maybe she was, you know, born premature and hadn't, you know, hadn't, you know, they caused medical problems. And she had various, there was various more medical terms and stuff were used with uh, the, the knowledge back then as to why she didn't develop properly. Uh, if you, so if you're was, smart and if you've been pretending to be a man at medical school with a lot of other smart people for like several years, yeah. you probably thought things through and you'll work out a way around it and yeah, she was she, medical knowledge. Yeah, she was well connected. And it, of course, at some some people might at this point be saying, well, maybe she's actually wanted to be a man. Like maybe that was like a thing. And it doesn't in her case, it does not appear to be the case because she did, uh, which we'll talk about in the later episode. She did actually have some uh, seem to have some uh, relationships with various men later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was at least some men who knew she was a woman, uh, in, including some prominent men, by the way. Uh, or some men who but, would later be very, very surprised. Yeah. <laughs> well, this this. <laughs> We'll get into at one point. She, they did. She did get caught sleeping with this this governor, um, and oh. uh, and and it was assumed that it was a homosexual relationship. And and so, anyways, that's this is all beside the point. We're coming back to the topic at hand. So she's traveling around uh, with the British military, Canada, Jamaica, India, and Malta, and then she mm-hmm. ends up in South Africa in 1826. And it is here that she performs. Oh wait, we've got first... to tie this into cesarean sections, right? <laughs> I got totally lost in this woman's story, and I'm like, oh yeah, we're talking about yeah. cesarean sections. No, this is the thing. Like I was. I was telling you before it's like I had all these bonus facts on her and I was like wait a minute no this, she just needs her own episode like there's so much interesting stuff here but for this this part we'll just kind of briefly I'm sorry I didn't this. mean to dive into all of this stuff it was just, I, I could see why you want to make <laughs> yeah. this an, uh, an episode on its own yeah she was super interesting and um, so yeah. yeah in South Africa 1826 she performs the uh, the first for a British person uh, cesarean sex successful cesarean section and the woman survives the baby survives and the baby actually ended up being named it was a boy and it was named Barry in her honor because that was the name she was going by at the time nice and so yeah she does this and uh yeah and we'll uh, we'll wrap her story up in another episode because it's it's quite interesting and including after she died and it was actually discovered that she was actually a woman so back to uh, uh caesar and the c-sections so again oh, to yeah. mention the, the oed <laughs> this is like taking it back a solid 20 minutes <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the oed oh, yeah, oh, uh, now they, we're hitting on hitting on the... yeah they they, uh, they also mentioned the uh the claim that caesar was born via the c-section and this, so, so they say the delivery of a child by cutting through so they define the the cesarean as the delivery of a child by cutting through the walls of the abdomen when delivery cannot take place in a natural way as was done in the case of julius caesar however wow that seems if, that's quite a mistake that the mistakes that you've pointed out before are usually smaller historical errors no and this way yeah that's a, this is like an obvious error except if you want to give them the benefit of the doubt julius caesar was not the first or the roman you know ruler dictator uh, was not the first julius caesar uh so it's you know if you want to give them the benefit of the doubt there was another julius caesar they could have been referring to which would have been an accurate statement at least according to pliny the elder where he notes um pliny the elder states uh he says caesar comes from the latin word to cut which is uh sedere. so he, he notes that caesar one of his ancestors was born via c-section or at least and it isn't actually clear if pliny the elder is actually correct here but you know pliny the elder he's writing the history 
so that's kind of what people think. In the end, he, he notes one of his ancestors was born in this way. Um, and so uh, to quote here, so are you on the right spot? I am not. I was OEDing cesarean section <laughs> to see because I remember yeah. I, I was just wondering if that updated it. Now, at least not on my, although I still have obviously the second edition. I don't have access to some of the stuff they have on the third edition yet. Oh, they don't release that online ahead of time. Uh, they, you can access it if you have their subscription and you can um, bits of it. So they've released bits of the third one. Obviously, they're not done like we discussed. They're, they're a couple decades away from being done with it. So I don't know if they've they've revamped this part. But Because uh, the one I get just when I Google it is something called Oxford Dictionaries, en.oxforddictionaries.com, which I guess is not a, uh, is not the, because they say cesarean uh, from the story that Julius Caesar was delivered by this uh, method. Which implies so they have, that they've updated well, I don't it there. Know, is that? But this could be like the Urban Dictionary of online dictionaries. I don't know. In this case, yeah. obviously more accurate, but it's not the OED, which is the, yeah. the go-to dictionary. So uh, uh, you had a quote for me to read, right? Yeah. So so he uh, Pliny the Elder notes um, of the eventual ruler of Rome. He writes, "The first of the Caesars was so named from his having been removed by an incision in his mother's womb." Hmm. There you go. Yeah, and, and so if you do look at the family tree, there was a lot of Juliuses and a lot of Caesars, and the first one to combine those names was a guy by the name of Numerius Julius Caesar was one of his ancestors uh-huh. that had, and so it's always possible that this is what, if you're giving the benefit of the doubt, the OED is just referring to this Julius Caesar, uh, although they could just also be wrong. <laughs> it's a bit of a stretch. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, yeah. it's like, I feel like if you clicked that link to Julius Caesar, if there was a link in yeah. the digital edition of the OED that we probably not yeah. take you to old Numerius there. Well, yeah, and it's not it's actually not actually clear whether the first Caesar in his family lineage was actually born in this way. There's a various other translations that that Caesar could be sort of deriving from. I think something to do with hair. There's a there's a Latin word that could have been something to do with hair and then also the eye color. I think it was the gray eyes or something. Okay. Uh, so it could have had that. So, but um, of course Pliny the Elder is saying it's from from a from a cesarean deriving from that and so, you know, who who knows, really. But uh, the point being, Julius Caesar himself was not born via C-section. Nobody actually really knows where exactly the cesarean section term came from, or the, I should say cesarean operation, that the cesarean part of it. Um, so it is, a lot of people think, uh, oh, it, it must be, at least even from this story, be derived from Julius Caesar's name, right? And so, but the fact is, like, these, this, these various terms like Caesar and stuff for describing the operation have been around long before uh, Caesar himself was ever associated with this a cesarean section in that 10th century um, right. document. So, and and the, the physicians throughout history were, um, you know, so somewhat modern history here were, would have been well familiar with all these Latin terms that were very similar. Um, and so it's generally, most etymologists think it's not, it didn't have anything to do with him um, actually, and it was just sort of, uh, you know, happy coincidence there. But there's still some who claim it is because they also note that um, if you look at a lot of different languages, including I think Czech, is if you actually look at what the term for cesarean uh, the cesarean section operation is, it actually just means literally emperor's cut. I think Czech is one of them, but there's there's several languages, and so they saw well it has to be from Julius Caesar, right? It's emperor's cut. Caesarea actually means imperial in Latin. Like this, is, like if you go back to that Lex Caesarea law from like uh, what was it, the seventh or eighth century BC, um, long before. Uh, Long before Caesar, this this is just it means imperial, so it doesn't necessarily mean this this uh, has any connection with Julius Caesar because it just yeah. means you know imperial. Um, so emperor's cut makes sense. Yes, I'm trying to look it up now in Czech, which is a language I half speak. Um, and emperor's mm-hmm. cut is beyond my knowledge. <laughs> but that was uh, <laughs> yeah. There, uh, I think it was on the list. 
there were several languages. Uh, I can't remember all of them. That's I cool. think German might have been one, or maybe Hungarian. I can't remember. There was a ton of them that that basically literally translates to Emperor's Cut. So yeah, nobody nobody really knows. They just know that uh, it, it should be noted, though. We do know when it became went from Caesarian operation to Caesarian section, and that occurred in a 1598 book on midwifery uh, by Jacques Guillemet. I think uh, it's weird, it's, isn't it? That it's not called an operation. Like I never thought about that. You yeah. don't like have a heart section. You have like, yeah. A... And this, I thought this was interesting. Why, why is he calling it a cesarean section? And it's because again, getting back the physicians, they knew their Latin back then. Uh, and so it comes from the Latin sectus, which is the past participle of secare or cesare, maybe I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, meaning to cut. He's kind of doubling down on that, uh, that whole cutting thing. Cause the, there's one of the uh, etymologies of, of the cesarean, uh, obviously, as we mentioned earlier was, uh, had to do with cutting i think we mentioned earlier maybe i just read about it and didn't actually say it uh but that is one of the potential is to come from to cut basically so it's like you know the, as well the section part also comes from to cut so that's it, it kind of feels it like a backward step in a way like i feel yeah often we go we we modernize and we take things that were once written in latin and we turn them into english and this way yeah. we're like well it was called a cesarean operation and now it's yeah. called a cesarean sector or section. yeah and so and so yeah you could you could actually see from this where the uh, emperor's cut would then naturally flow from this more recently in history so you have the cesarean yeah. which could mean derived from whatever latin term that was that meant basically to cut open or cut or it could mean imperial it could have driven from imperial so if you look that way you have imperial and then the section which is derived from the sectus meaning to cut so you have imperial cut. So that's more yeah. of like a modern thing, but uh, I don't know. I just thought also, it was interesting how, how we went from operation to section because cesarean section just, yeah, like it, it sounds weird. You want to know a fun bonus fact? Speaking of like mm-hmm. the actual word itself um, that I'm mm-hmm. literally discovering as talking to you. In UK English, cesarean section is spelt different to American English because all of really? the cesareans that are spelt C-E-S-A-R-I-A-N are marked as incorrect in my documents. And the ones that are spelt with that weird extra A in there for no reason, those are marked as correct. <laughs> and I looked it up and it's like, yeah, we call it a caesarean or it's spelt like a uh, C-A-E-S-A-R-I-N, which uh, I'm going to give it to the Americans on this one. You guys are right. Uh, that weird extra A is uh, is unnecessary. That's interesting. I was looking up uh, another interesting thing there is I was I was kind of wondering on this this sectus and then you have the sacare or cesare which you might say it's that just because of the connection of cesarean I was wondering like yeah. so is the sectus more like cestus or whatever like how do I know in Latin whether they would say it the c as a cut or whatever so I was looking up just really quickly on like how, do, how did they pronounce the c as a k or c or s that is a debate like, isn't there no yeah. this was that I was actually the first results like oh. Quora which you know might may or may not be accurate who knows you know uh-huh. it's it, it's way more accurate than like Yahoo Answers but you know not necessarily accurate uh when people's answer and this this guy or girl i don't know gave this amazing answer that i mean sold me on and it was too long to mention here because it's just like i mean this is pages long he's explaining the or or she is explaining the uh the how they kind of dealt with this and how we got the letter g from the c because they had this extra like you know sound that they needed to they had a c basically being three different things depending on the context and of course in latin this is even a bigger problem because originally they didn't have spaces or punctuation it was just all one thing so i mean you can imagine like this is very complex like what word is this and do i pronounce it as a a, a g or a c or a, you know a k or a, a s sound and so i don't know this was quite interesting and i feel like i should do an article on it and actually look it up because i was quite fascinated by how we got these letters she had enough details to persuade you that her answer was legitimate you know oh it was it was, it was quite detailed on every every facet of uh, of the whole language thing which was which was interesting was that something we touched on a video uh, previously how 
how the the Latin had no spaces, no punctuation, no anything. Yeah. It was just like a big block. And then there was yeah. like a movement against punctuation and spaces because the orators <laughs> yeah. saw it as part of the skill for it. You, know, you yeah. don't put a comma in because it hints at pe- where people should pause. If you're a good orator, you should know where the pauses come naturally. Yeah. I thought that was and pretty th- amusing. This is hilarious because even back then you had this evolution of, of, the, of writing and language and stuff. And everyone who learned it the one way later, they're all like, no, we can't. We're not going to do this that, to make it easier. Why do you need to make it easier? You should just read it. No punctuation. Just one big things of of string of letters and you should just figure it out. Like this is in, in ancient Rome. Like there wasn't like you wouldn't just pick up something like a tablet or whatever, a stone tablet or writing or papyrus or whatever and read it straight. You would you would practice and read through it several times first because it was I mean, it was impossible just to read it out loud like like as we do in English or whatever nowadays. And so this was, it was I just thought it was funny because you still have today, like if there's even the slight change in, in language from what someone learned when they were a kid or whatever, everyone complains about it, uh, the evolution instead of saying it's correct. You know, I think so I, this was this has always been going on. I think I know who the modern equivalent of these people are. In fact, there's probably two of them okay. that I can identify. They might. Mm-hmm. The first one, probably my dad who insists that I should know, like, especially when I was living in the UK, he'd be like, you should know the basic layout of the motorways. And I'm like, dad, I've got a GPS in my phone. This was 10 years ago. I've got GPS in my phone. Mm. It's not going to get worse. Why do I need yeah. to know where the M25 leads onto the M4? He'll be like, well, one day you might be asked. It's like, I've got it on my phone. <laughs> it's built into the car. Both of these would have to fail. Um, yeah. And the At other some person, point, the car is going to be self-driving. <laughs> like, this is, this is only right. going to get better. I, I really feel my knowledge of, of UK motorways is way too unnecessarily strong because I was told you should know where the motorways are basic layouts. And I'm like, yeah. this, was, this was not useful. Uh, and then the person who makes you memorize like how to do long division because you're not going to always have a calculator in your pocket. Those <laughs> liars. They were liars. And now <laughs> that's just... Comp- how did we not foresee this? How did this? Yeah. How did? Why did we have to learn times tables and stuff and torture ourselves? Because literally, it's utterly like useless. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to know the basics. I mean, it's good to know what like seven multiplied value. by eight is. So if you're in a store, you don't. Yeah, it's exactly. Mostly just so you don't look like an idiot. It's like it's not really. It's going to take you two seconds longer to take out the calculator, and then you get a hundred percent accurate result. It's just so people don't think you're dumb. <laughs> this is this is why one of the we're gonna cover at some point is why the US doesn't use a metric system. And this is one of my my sort of like arguments of like why would we care really? Because like the the, the thing everyone says, ah, the metric system, easy to make, easy to convert, easy to convert, like you know, meters to kilometer, like it's so easy, you can just do it in your head. But it's like, yeah, but so is converting the other. I mean, we just I mean, if it's anything, we'll just whip out our calculators. Like it's it's quite simple actually in practice and it's not really a problem. So I, I, and and we'll get into one of the one of the big reasons why the it's the switch of the expense. And so it's like in order to spend the massive sum of money to switch you'd have to have a good reason and it turns out other than to not you know annoy people there's not really like a great reason to justify the expense but yeah anyways, replacing all those signs is going to get super expensive we are we yeah you're right we are way off. I, I know what you're going to say we're, <laughs> we we have gone down a hole are we are we yeah. i see we're kind of reaching the end of cesarean sections is there anything we should hit on on here before we get on to 
dude we're at like 45 minutes we gotta we gotta call it a day on this episode and slice these things up to next week right yeah so next week we'll have we'll just a quick preview we're gonna go on to julius caesar we're gonna fast forward a little bit in his life uh to when he's 16 and then a few years after that we'll kind of cover this area and when he goes on a little pirate adventure he gets kidnapped by pirates and all the hilarity that ensues i don't think we should call this one about julius this wasn't really a lot about julius caesar in this one this should definitely have a title of the caesarean section yeah it's i mean it's a part one because this whole the whole arc as you'll see in the other whatever 15 or what pages we have left uh, is all is it's all about related to caesar and this was just we i thought we'd start off with his birth and sort of the interesting stuff surrounding that and, and having an arc having an arc yeah. as you've learned from places like netflix is apparently a really great idea if you want yeah. people to listen so uh, this is yeah, our and, arc and if you don't care about c-sections and you thought this episode was boring the next one's on julius caesar getting kidnapped by pirates that's i mean how could it be any more exciting than that it's quite interesting and how hilarious. could it be more different other than the fact that they're both related to julius caesar one more tangentially but i mean if you didn't like all the medical talk in this one next week a pirate adventure <laughs> yeah it's totally a pirate adventure and a really funny one uh, to boot so yeah all right let me uh, let me wrap things up and say thanks to everyone who has listened and rates and reviews the podcast like i said at the beginning we're having a little contest uh once we get to 100 reviews we're gonna give away some amazon gift voucher thingy mobobbies uh you can drop us a review we're doing it on itunes because everyone listens through itunes i'm sorry my dear android users like myself as an android user uh itunes is just what we're doing because it's so easy <laughs> and i guess uh we got At some point, we should do. we should pick like an Android platform and go with that one to give you know. That's a good idea. Something. We could do like a Castbox or a Stitcher and a few or others. One of these guys. Maybe do like and the few, few the few others. most popular and uh, maybe if if uh, what's what's that one that starts Podcast with Podcast Addict? Still, I think is a, is no. a big one. What's the super popular music streaming platform that starts Spotify, with Spotify, dude? Spotify. Spotify. They still have not accepted us, so I don't uh, know what's up with that. I heard that that's a hard thing to get into. Uh, do yeah. you, you don't use Spotify? Spotify's amazing. Uh, no, no, I use I usually go with Google Play Music. My wife actually uses Spotify though. So, dude, for you to get Spotify, it's like an extra. Uh, it's two euros bus to add someone onto the subscription, or add like five people onto the subscription. Well, but but like, because I have because I have YouTube Red anyway, because because I don't you know working on YouTube all the time, I don't want to watch uh. ads. Uh, so I, I have it anyway, so I get Google Play Music for free essentially. I mean, I would be so on YouTube not... Red. Just come on YouTube, roll it out to the <laughs> yeah. rest of the world. Come on. Yeah, it's weird why why they don't do that. I don't know. Like, I, I mean, uh, they can't be that really like it can't be like legal hurdles. Real, I mean, maybe with the music uh, with the music side of it, there is sort of legal hurdles to to jump over to get distribution and other stuff. But the actual YouTube Red itself, I mean, that's easy. They own they own YouTube, so they can do. Yeah. So it might, it's got to be something to do connected with the music rights or something. It's got to be something weird. But get get on it, guys. Come on, get you. You must have like a million lawyers. Get them cracking. So, uh, next week, a pirate adventure. That's it for this week, right? Yep. All right. When (laughs) happiness is under a roof. Inverted penis syndrome.